This is a Triple J podcast. So someone that I've been super keen to get on the hookup for ages is Dylan Buckley. Uh, If you don't know who he is, Dylan Buckley is an ex-AFL player. You might have heard him before on his podcast, Dylan Friends. It's a podcast where mainly AFL players, but a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of athletes, a lot of people that you might know the name of uh, come on the podcast and chat. It's like super like open and honest and raw and vulnerable and they come and share their stories. There's a lot of banter, but there are a lot of like really beautiful moments of people owning, opening up about their stories. And the reason I've been so obsessed with, getting Dylan on the show is because unfortunately it is just quite rare to find guys in media having these conversations, especially when the hosts themselves are putting themselves out there, being open and vulnerable. Like Dill talks a lot about his mental health, his anxiety, his struggles during AFL and quote unquote failing at it, um, his words. And a lot of his insecurities, I love that Dill is really open. He's really open about being an emotional guy and he owns it and he says that that's what makes him strong. And yeah, you're going to hear all of that in this chat. We talk a lot about masculinity. We talk a lot about social pressure, especially for young guys. His AFL career, vulnerability um, and, you know, all of the things that he talks about on his own podcast about embracing your insecurities and also the importance of male role models. I really, really, really loved this chat I had with him. I hope you do too. There's also some really great advice. Like not only will you hear a lot of like his experience, but there's some really great advice as well if this is something that you're feeling yourself at the moment about wanting to know how to get to that place where you can open up a bit more and be a bit more vulnerable um, and authentically yourself. So let's get into it. What did you think, Dylan, for like you when you were younger, like primary school, high school, what did you think it meant for you to be a man? Like, who did you look to? God, I don't know if I was that like philosophical as a, as a young man, um, more just, you know, just thinking about when I could recess lunch, getting out, playing <laughs> footy. I was obsessed with skating as a kid too and just loved, loved sport. I think for me, I suppose as a young man, it was more just about having fun with mates and and doing those things. But I suppose that idea of like manlyhood and being a a guy probably came around like that puberty stage of like year eight, nine, ten when you've you're starting to grow hair in some places and your voice is sort of getting a bit deeper. And I, I suppose that's maybe I don't know this scientifically at all. Um, and I'm I'm sure you put this in the intro, but I'm not a doctor or a professional oh. in any sense whatsoever. I actually just <laughs> just scraped through school. I think you worked that out today. But I think yeah, like when you get to that age you sort of develop that ego and that's where that hierarchical uh, like hierarchy sort of comes in with your mates and your workout or who's the sporty guy who's the second sporty guy who's the funny guy who's this and you sort of start playing those roles and I suppose for me naturally with like my story I think that I fell into just being the sporty guy being the you know because I really enjoyed playing sport and that was my thing and it's like all right well if you play sport you know you got to get the the hot girl that's got to be your girlfriend and You've got to, um, you know, play this role now. And it's like prom king, prom queen. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, you grow up watching yeah, like American. Yeah, you grow up watching like those shows and you just think that's what, what is going on. So I suppose for me, early days, that was, you know, a role that I definitely fell into. Um, not that, you know, I knew a lot of le- about it. And look, I'm going to go like in the weirdest places today when I talk about this. But I, I really worked out this thing later around like strengths and weaknesses. And this is something that I identified later in life because like my biggest regret is that I didn't stick with music in school. Oh, like, really? Not a, I don't regret anything, 
but like that's something I wish I did. And like I got a son now, and I'm like, you are going to play the piano, you're going to like play guitar, like all these things. I don't care. Why is that a regret? Just because I didn't do it, and like now, like music is such a, a thing for me that I like anyone, but like I do love music. It has played such a big role in my life, and like I see that guy around the campfire playing guitar and singing, and like I just wish that was me. Like I want that role. Wonderwall, you're yeah, like, I want that it. role of just like everyone coming in and. Where I'm getting with this is like strengths and weaknesses is a strength of mine back then was footy and a weakness was music. Like I wasn't very good at it. But I heard this thing talk and it was probably on TikTok to be completely honest, but it was talking about <laughs> strengths and weaknesses and strengths isn't something you're necessarily good at, but it gives you strength. Yeah. And I think that like music is one of those things. Like it was a weakness, but it gives me strength when I do it and I do it and I love it. Whereas footy in the end actually turned out to be, and sport turned out to be a little bit of a weakness of mine, even though I was good at it, it actually like took away from what I was doing and who I was. Um, so I think sometimes like you can maybe find analogies in your life and situations where you think something's a strength, but you got to go like, is it actually strengthening me or is it like weakening me? That's really interesting because I feel as well like you were probably placed the stereotype of the jock or the footy guy early on because your dad is an mm. ex-famous footballer and, like, that meant you could only do the jock things like you were saying and music would have been seen as, like, the more feminine, Weird. less masculine thing to do and you had to then follow the path. Whereas, like, you spoke about it in your book as well and we'll get into this, but, like, you had more of an emotional side, like more so than the traditional like man or the stereotype of the stoic guy and you felt like you had to really suppress that so i wonder if like the music you know what i mean no, like 100%, the, the link is like, there I, with I, the music it was more emotional for you it connected you on a like more sensitive level definitely but i, I don't, yeah like that's definitely one way of looking at it but i think i just enjoyed it like i yeah. actually just liked music i loved it and i wish now that i it's still something that i'm actively you know i set goals to try and do it time does get away from me but um, even drama, like drama class, acting, being on stage, like what I do now, you know, on podcasts, talking, I love doing skits, like funny skits. Like that is the shit that I would have never have done back in school because I was like, well, my mates aren't doing this. So like, why would I go and hang out with it? Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Well, with your mates, because you went, like you were saying you did footy and then you went straight into AFL, like you were drafted into Carlton. Mm. You spoke about the fact that there was like a real structure of like what it meant to be a footballer and like what that looked like, like gambling, cl clubbing, having the hot girlfriend. Like what was that experience like for you? Because I feel like it probably cemented even more so like what you were supposed to be, quote unquote, as like a traditional footy bloke guy. Mm. It's in, Yeah, it's, it's, it's like culture, I suppose, is like a funny thing. And like I would never say that like anyone made me do anything and like I made these decisions myself. Like it was all on me not being comfortable in my own skin to say like, nah, that's not for me. And I think like as a young man, like you have to, there's nearly that quote. It's like, you know, they say you try everything once and then there's other ones like you try everything twice because the first time you might not have liked it, you got to try it one more time. And I think that was just what I was doing, sucking and seeing what the things for me were, you know, did I enjoy going out clubbing? Like, well, I had to go and do it first and learn that probably wasn't my favorite thing. Like I'm more of a morning guy. I love getting up early, going for a walk, getting a coffee versus staying out late. Did I like hunting you know on the on gambling like sure there was some fun times and you had those relationships with friends but didn't really like losing money um didn't give me uh much satisfaction and also like with the story of friendships like as you get older you realize how much that does affect a lot of your mates and you go far out you know like this is this shit is really dangerous so i think there's a, a bit of trial and error around that and it's yeah it's definitely not 
a point of like, if you've done something like that before, it doesn't mean you can't change. But I think what I realized I was doing as a young guy was like, I really wanted to be liked versus mm-hmm. being respected. And again, that's normal. It's completely cool. Like and even to this day, there's still times where I find myself in that situation. But I think the thing is, big, biggest thing for me now is being respected, not being liked. And there was this really crazy time, you know, where I was probably doing these things that just to fit in versus actually standing up and being like, nah, like that's not what I, what I want to do. And people respect that more, you know, like when you see people make decisions and they're like, no, I'm not doing that. You're like, fuck, I wish I wish I said that. Don't you reckon? Yeah, I'm like, that's cool. I'm like, I want to be, I want to be cool like you and just stand up for myself. That's the first thing that I think about. I think like, damn, I w-, like you have so much anxiety as like a people pleaser or just wanting to fit in mm. that like people will hate you if you don't say yes. And then you see so many people around you just saying no to everything and they don't even bat an eyelid. They're like, yeah. No, I'm not doing that. And then walk away. And then you're like, oh, God. That was cool. That was cool. That was, I wish yeah, I could do yeah. that. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I think it's like the coolest thing. And like I say this stuff again, but I always fall in these traps. But like I think a really big thing for me for the last year was like, you are the main character of your own story. No one actually gives a fuck about you. Like loving way, no one cares what you do. Yeah. And like you can be offended by that, but it's actually like when you get to the sort of core of it, it's so cool. Like you are the only thing that like is holding your in your head back from making these decisions. Like, do you think now if you like went and, you know, vaped outside, I'd be like thinking of, I'm still worried about what I said in an interview 10 minutes ago. Yeah, like, I'm not yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. about like anything but myself. So um, the sooner I realized that, the more I was just like, why am I living my life like what other people think of me when they're fucking not even happy with what they're doing? Like, let's just work it out yourself. What were some of the parts of yourself that you started to like show a bit more and embrace? Because, yeah, like you said, you were like influenced slash like your own decision, but you wanted to be liked when you were doing footy and it was like that kind of culture of like lads and boys and whatever. And you like obviously had this realisation and you were like, no, I'm going to show this side of myself. Like I think you said as I've gotten older, I've come to realise that my intense emotions are a strength. Mm. For me, probably the biggest. I'm in touch with my feelings and I move to tears pretty much all the time. What was that like kind of trying to bring out that side of Mm. yourself authentically in front of people who probably like the culture doesn't really allow that? Like it's not a natural thing for guys to show their emotions and cry. Yeah, no, for sure. And like I don't think it was like an overnight thing i think like emotional intelligence or emotions or vulnerability like it's a skill like it's such a skill and you don't start by never and you can do this but you don't like probably the way i did it was like not just go and tell my deepest darkest secret without ever telling anything yeah it's like you know firstly you might start small and like whether it being like conversations just like looking people in the eye a bit more maybe it's like 20 percent of the conversation or it's like you know complimenting a mate or asking someone if they're okay. And like all of these little things just like build up and they build up and it goes from like asking a mate to then reaching out to a family member to then like having a conversation with a coach or a colleague. And then someone confides in you and you like build up this like, you know, this like skill that you're just like continually doing over time without even knowing. And then it gets to the period where it like, for me, that was showing going like, you know what, fuck this. Like I'm going to start doing some media stuff at the club. Like I wasn't playing good footy. I wasn't like in the team, but I was like, I really enjoy this. I love doing it. Like, I'm going to do this. And like, people used to bag the shit out of me, but I was like, you know what? I really like doing this. I'm going to keep doing it, sticking fat with it. And I think that was a really cool thing because it was like at the start, everyone bagged me. But then like three months later, everyone's like, oh, can I come on the show? 
And I was like, well, you were bagging me last month and now, you know, oh, just now, now you want to come, come on. on okay. Well, yes, I'll have you because I need some guests. Yeah. But <laughs> um, yeah, that sort of thing or, you know, conversations with the missus. Like a funny thing that I used to do was um, as a kid, like I'd always be like watching a movie with a family and like I'm a proud crier. So I'm not really like an emotional crier. Like I'm a proud crier. So like. If someone did something in a movie and I'm like, fucking yes, I'm so fucking proud of you. Like that would bring the tears or, you know, adversity, then getting through it in yep. like films and even TV commercials, whatever they are. And I'm, as a kid, like I'd always like tear up on the couch and I'd be like, oh, I've got to go to the toilet, you know, just going to like be back and I'd hide it. But now I'm like, it's it's like one of my wife's favorite things about, you know, having a, bo- a little son now and just little things happening. You're like, fuck, I'm so proud of that. Like it's cool. And it's a cool part of how I like to, well, I don't like to, I don't really choose when it happens, yeah. but I'm proud that I'm an emotional person. Like it, it was embarrassing, but now it's used as strength. And I want one more analogy to give you. I'm a freak with this shit. But oh, I love it. Do you like 8 Mile, the show? Love. Best, love. best ever. Yeah. Best so soundtrack. I think the biggest lesson I've learned around all of this stuff that we've spoken about at the start is like that scene in 8 Mile where Rabbit, 8 Mile, he, uh, Eminem's up on the stage and he sort of raps, um, he opens and he raps about everything he's like embarrassed about. He raps about like, you know, the, his girlfriend cheating on him, about the other guy sleeping with his girlfriend. He sleeps about, he talks about how he lived in a caravan. He says that, you know, I'm a white bum, I'm all these things. And I think like that just disarms everything that ever happens. And then the guy gets up and he's like, well, fuck, I can't bag this guy anymore. Like he's just told me all of his secrets, all of his like th- insecurities like, what am I going to do? And I think that's like the coolest thing for me. It's like, yeah, you know, like I did fail in footy, cry a bit, uh, definitely could have done some things differently. Hairline sucks. Um, there's a few things that I wish I had, you know, that worked a bit better. Um, but like, this is me. And then all of a sudden they're like, fuck, well, he's already bagged himself about all these things. Like what, where, the, like you, you sort of like take all the ammo away from people and then it's just there. Well, I guess as well, that kind of ties into what you do at Dylan Friends. It's like the power of vulnerability, right? Mm. Like being able to just like open up about something allows someone else to then open up a bit more. What have you noticed about vulnerability? Because like being able to say like your deepest, darkest secrets or the things that you're most vulnerable about or ashamed Mm. about or insecure about is like, like you said, like a pretty powerful thing. Because then it like creates as well a space where like someone can be like, Bro, me too. Me Do you know what I mean? Bro. Yeah. What have you learned yeah. through doing the podcast with vulnerability? Mm, I've realized we're all so fucked up, like in <laughs> yeah. the best way possible, yeah, yeah. you know, like I think that's, it's, there's a beauty in like everyone has, everyone's got an incredible story mm. and like you could go and sit down with someone, anyone here today and like everyone's learned something and everyone's been through something and there's, there's like a real, I think, connectiveness to that to like, we're all human. We all have happy days or have bad days. And I think that's been like really cool, but there's always so many common denominators throughout those stories. And it's the fact that like, it's not what happens to you, it's how you react to it. And it's been a big thing for me in life. Like, you know, I've the people have been through so much stuff, but you, every person I chat to through shows and it's just like, they've just used adversity as a fuel of motivation and, and working through it and making impact after that. So yeah, I think the vulnerability side of things is incredible and like podcasting, you know, what you do here is as well like you're an incredible community like i think it's such an awesome platform because 
you think about podcasting, like when people listen to it by themselves, either in the car or with headphones on. Mm. So you're having like an intimate conversation. Like someone's listening to this. Well, I hope someone is. <laughs> someone could be listening to this right now. And it's like, where it's us three. Yeah. We're just talking, we're smacking it up, we're talking shit. Like it's just, it is what it is and we're all learning together. And I just think that that vulnerability side fits this platform so well as well, where like it probably wouldn't work on like breakfast television, you know, because like you're probably watching it with four other people. You want to be sort of in that environment. So I think, yeah, the vulnerability side of things like from opening up about bits and pieces in my journey has uh, hopefully helped other people, but I know that it's actually helped me for them sharing that even back as well, which is really special. And a, and a big focus of some of the conversations and something that you talk about heaps in your book is men's mental health because mm. a lot of the people that you do have on Dylan Friends is like footballers or like, you know, male athletes. And you spoke about how like you have anxiety and for a long time in your career during AFL, like that was something you really struggled with. What was your journey with like, being able to talk about that and get help mm. because we posted about like men's mental health on our Instagram last night and like there were so many messages and like so many guys saying that they feel like they suffer in silence. They can't talk to anyone about it, you know, whether it's like depression, anxiety, or they have suicidal thoughts or whatever it is. And it seems to be like, I'd say a fucking crisis mm. in this country at the moment. Like what was your journey with like your anxiety and and did you do you relate to that feeling of not being able to talk about it? and then how did you get to a place where you could Yeah, it's like such a interesting topic. Like it's just crazy. It really is. But it's I think like first and foremost, like if anyone is listening, um, and is going through anything, like there is a way out. Like there really is. And, you know, I've definitely had some challenges along the way. Um, and it's all relative to who you are, right? Like whatever that challenge is is the extremity of where it is. And I've definitely had some challenges. I know my Family members have also had some really big challenges. And I think my journey was like, to sort of explain that was, I was always a very nervous kid. Like I'd get anxious. Like I didn't know what anxiety was. Yeah. So like I just thought I was nervous. Like I was just like, why am I such a fucking like bitch? You know, like I'm just so like nervous about shit all the time. Um, And, you know, I didn't sort of click until I was a little bit older of what was actually happening. But the reason I got into mental health was because of my dad. Like, I knew my old man was struggling with some alcohol issues. And you know, I didn't know that it was mental health. I just thought mm. it was, like, alcohol and issues and stuff like that. And when this mental health thing sort of kicked off, I was like, um, I saw this this documentary that I talk about in the book called Man Up with Tom Harkin um, from Tomorrow Man. That's an incredible person, does some awesome things. He's got Tomorrow Woman as well, which... Yeah, they, they just do great stuff. He did this documentary and spoke about mental health. And I remember just watching it going like, oh, my God, like, this is me, man. You know, like, I don't know how to talk to my dad. I don't know what's going on with this stuff. And it really, like, kick-started me into, like, learning about it, like, learning how to talk to people about it, like, advocating about it. And as I helped him, I realized, like, that I was also going through things too. Like, I was just, you know, because it was so normal to me, I just didn't, express it and you know you say it out loud but you didn't in your own head you can rationalize things whereas if you say it out loud like well that's probably not okay like you shouldn't really be thinking those things like in footy for example like i would hope that i'd genuinely like break my leg or like in the warm-up before i went out there and all those bits and pieces and i think where that sort of came to a little bit of a extremity for me is like i never told anyone at the clubs about it because i was like well they're going to tell the coach and then how would i ever get a game if like the player they're going to put out there wants to break his leg like why would they do that so when I left footy, I was like, thank God I've left. Like, I'm not going to feel like that anymore. 
but then it just crept into other parts of my life and yeah just came into this like day-to-day and obviously through there the last sort of two three years have been a massive journey for me just in terms of just discovering a lot about myself and who I am what why I think the way I do and yeah I'm in a really good place now but I know that it's something that I live with a lot of people live with and I just want to not let it like define me and I think the more power you give it sometimes the more you say even say I have anxiety I think I just sort of say like hey anxiety is it's a part of what I am like it's not who I am and I found like the less power it gives it but yeah mental health we could be here for four hours talking about literally, it but literally it's a it's a massive a topic. thing and anyone out there that's going through anything I just say check in with your mates check in with a psychologist um and and make that GP appointment to get a mental health plan I was an advocate for this and I didn't see a psychologist outside of the club for like eight years and I could have done that earlier so like mm. just yeah go for it Okay, so I think something that uh, a lot of young guys are struggling with at the moment is having a good role model. Mm. Like, I think that you even talk about it in your book. Um, You spoke about the fact that there's not really like a great traditional masculine role model or like the roles that we've been looking to and like have grown up with for you, especially around like footy and stuff. It's like the ways that people are presented to be like a quote unquote man um, just aren't really working anymore. And that's why I think a lot of young guys are looking to people like Andrew Tate because they're confused. They don't know like what makes a man a man anymore. Like what's your advice for anyone listening, especially if they're younger, like what, where can you look for like that, Mm. that role model? Because there unfortunately isn't a lot out there. I think you've got to be, it's a great question. I think you gotta be really, when you're looking at a role model, you gotta be really like, don't pick a person, pick traits that you like. And I think what's crazy is like, I have good traits, you have good traits, but you've probably got some bad traits. Oh, I'm assuming, I, I haven't seen any of them, but I'm assuming you might have some bad traits because I know I have some <laughs> fucking horrific ones. And I think for me, when I realized about this, is like, I look at my dad and on paper through this book, you might go, oh, wow, like what a relationship. But he is my biggest role model in life, hands down. And there's some incredible qualities that he have that I absolutely love and I hope that I've inherited. But there's some other things that he's done where I go, I don't want to do that. And that's a role model. Like, it's not just the positive things. It's the negative mm. things. And I'd say, like, the day and age we're in now, like, you have so much access to people. It's like, you know, Andrew Tate's not probably the best example for this, but you could go, like, look, he does 99% of things he does are terrible. But, you know, he has a he works out. So there's healthiness there that, like, at least there's something, you know, there that you go, well, at least he's healthy in that sense. Yeah. He smokes cigars, though, so it's not great. <laughs> So where I'm getting, it's probably a really bad example, but like where I'm going with this is like, you can grab. look at, grab things that you like about people. And it's like, you know, you love the way that they treat their friends and family, this person, but you don't like that they do this, but you love that they do this. You don't like that they do that. They, sometimes you can actually learn more from people of what you don't like and who you don't want to be versus actually who you want to be. So I think, yeah, like find a few people, find five, six, seven and learn what you want to be, learn who you want to become and you can't. I think it's gone to the day and age you're going like Michael Jordan's my role model. Yeah, like, put too much pressure on someone just, you don't know. It's not, who knows? And like we didn't have the access we do. We have way bigger access now. So unfortunately and fortunately with stars of the games and sport, like you learn all the good things, but you learn all the bad things too. So yeah. we're all human. We've all got good things. We've all got bad things. Identify in people what you like, what you don't, and then you can model yourself to that. I love that so much, especially in a time where like, 
people are just like the TikTok, the classic TikTok one line is like people are just posting videos with one line and then you're like, oh, love that about that person and then therefore I love that whole person. Well, I, you know <laughs> you what know happened what I mean? today? Like, like I posted something this morning about this comedian who said something like so fucking funny. It was about caramel where I was like, I don't really like caramel. It was about this joke yeah. about caramel. And this person messaged me saying, oh, this person did this. And I was like, well, fuck. I, okay, I like this joke about caramel, okay? It doesn't mean that I support, like, that. Like, I just like the joke. Like, yeah. It's definitely a tricky, <laughs> tricky time. Um, we're literally getting pushed out of the studio, yeah, today, which I is know. so classic ABC. Um, but, like, yeah, we could have spoken forever. We'll have to do a we'll part, catch up. part we'll catch two up. Part in a year's two. time or part something. Three, um, yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate you jumping thank on. Thank you so much. I appreciate all the incredible work you do, and thanks for having me on. So funny. We were literally getting pushed out of the studio. Like there was someone else that was like, I've booked the studio. I've got to come in. So there was so much more I wanted to chat to Dylan about that I didn't get to. Um, so like you just heard, we're going to have to do some sort of a part two moment at some point. Uh, but yeah, I really hope that you enjoyed that chat that I had with him and learned a lot from it. I loved it. Sick. Uh, and if you want to find out more about Dylan, head on over to his podcast Instagram, Dylan Friends. Also, he has just released a book as well called Honest Chat. It's really, really great. And yeah, he talks a lot about his journey and there's a lot you can learn from that as well. All right, we'll catch you next time. Bye.